0: Who's, here? who's over 50? <laughs> Honest people, I love you. I'll tell you a couple of things. I didn't tell the first services, but you're special. I'll tell you a couple of things while you know you're over 50, because I've experienced them in the last week. On Friday, I had no driving lessons, so I thought, well, oh, this is a good day off. So Susan, who's not here so I can talk about it, said, because oh, we got the girls, our daughters gave us new push bikes for Christmas. So she said, Oh, let's take our bikes uptown and we'll go for a ride. I said, oh, beauty. Sounds like a good idea, so Went for a ride. Man, my back is so sore. <laughs> that's one reason. So sore. I can only been in and pick up my Bible this morning. But so, man. The other reason is um I really must have had a really good Easter because this morning this is the first time I've wore jeans. And um, when I went to put them on and do them up, I found there was a little bit more there than there was before. (laughs) Not a little more jeans, just a little more of me. (laughs) Mm. So um, maybe more bike riding might help that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I care. No, I do. Um, Okay, let's get in. Hey, Dave, can you... Dave, Dave, listen to me when I'm talking to you, mate. No. (laughs) Can you put the second verse of that song... Um, Lord, I need you. It just—it starts with um, when sin runs deep. You're—you're you're a good boy. Thanks, mate. Um, did ever feel really sinful? We had um, the first, like we call it, the story weekend of recalibrate. Yesterday, we started, and um, um, when I shared my story. Also, when I want to listen to others, but when I shared my story, I thought, gosh, I'm, I'm just a sinful person. I just really am. I've rummaged my way through life, um, damaging other people along the way and damaging myself. And I just thought, wow. You know, I finished and I thought, oh, I just feel... I felt a little bit low, you know. And I woke up this morning and um, I just felt a little bit helpless, you know. I thought, oh, gee. And, y- and you hear the guy that was doing the lecture the first lecture and he he talks about um how that there's a story that has a beginning and it has an end that's already sure and that 's the story of god it's it's sure it it's a it's written it's in revelation it has an end and and it won't change and the most amazing thing is is that um, for that story to end, it's not necessary for me to be in it. It's a little bit shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. It's a story that could include me, but it doesn't actually need me. And you think, what? Does it doesn't need me? How can a story can be complete without me? But it doesn't. It's, it doesn't need me. But there's an opportunity for me to play, to have a scene in that great story, the story of God. And if I if I choose to have that, take that part, then the person that will benefit is, is me. It's me. I will benefit from that. I will benefit greatly from that. So when I awoke this morning and I and I was walking up the driveway to get yesterday's papers because I forgot them. To get them this morning. I mean yesterday morning. And I um, thought. I said to God, "What? You know, what do you why do you choose, humans?" <laughs> what do you do that? We're, we're messed up. We're messy people. We're messy beings. But he does, you know. He invites us in to a great story that we can be part of. And the, the amazing thing is that story can change our, our, can change our life. We come in broken. We stay in it. At the end, we're coming, we'll come out put back together. Perfect. And I think, wow. And you do that. You do that. And he does. It's amazing. It's amazing. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 40. I'm telling you, Pete, I I want twice the money this time that you gave me last time because I'm doing twice the job. People are thinking, you get paid for this? (laughs) No, I don't. No, that's all right. It's fantastic. All right, last chapter, verse, I mean, chapter 40, verse 34. We're going to talk about God's glory this morning. Starting at verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above, the tabernacle they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire was in the cloud by night and in sight of all the house of Israel during all of their travels. I just want to bring out three things in um, that little passage. And they would be about glory. They would be allowing the glory to settle Allowing the glory to fill and allowing the glory to move you. So, allowing the glory to settle on you, allowing the glory to fill you, and allowing the glory to move you. We're just going to go through them and um, have a little talk about that. The word settle, settle in the dictionary means to place in a desired position or in order. Settle means to place in a desired position or in order. So when we um, came back to Toowoomba in 207, it took us a while to settle. We lived here, we lived there, and then eventually we bought our two acres down at Murphy's Creek, our little bit of paradise, and we settled. But when you move to a new place, how many of you know that you don't settle straight away? It takes a while for you to, you know, get in. We're getting to know it. We're doing some exploration. We're exploring different places around. We're, we're experiencing the place. We're experiencing the culture of it. Um, and we're meeting people. So we, we don't, you don't just come and it all happens at once. You just come and you settle. And I think that's a bit... That's what happens with God's glory. It settles. But what he wants when he settles... This is what he wants from us. He wants us to discover him. He wants us to explore him, to experience him, to know him, to trust him, and to love him. So that's what the settling, he he wants, because he wants us to be secure in who he is. He wants us, he wants to develop a secure relationship with us. He wants us to know that, you know, he's our father. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He believes in us. He treasures us. He wants the best for us. He only wants good things in his interpretation, not in ours. Good things for us will be to watch the Cowboys win every weekend. He wants good things for us. So he's accepting you. He's accepting you into his life. You become part of a great story come out of a great story so we're allowing God's glory to settle upon us just to rest there and allow him to reveal himself to us number two we we allow his glory to fill us If we have a little look at verse 35 it talks about the settling and the filling Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had not settled because the cloud had settled sorry upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill us with his glory. So he, he flows out. Fill us to the top. If You think about a, a bucket, big bucket, and you fill it up with rocks, all types of rocks, small, large, little pebbles, little grains, just and you pack it. You just pack it full. There's, you make as little space in that as possible, and you pack it full. And then you pour some water onto it. If you pour it quite quickly, you, it seems to fill up quite quickly, but it's not actually full. There's lots of places that the water hasn't got yet. There's lots of little tiny holes and pinholes and little cracks and crevices and little places that the water hasn't got. And I think that's a, it's a little bit of a picture of, of our lives. When, when we, we meet God and His glory settles... And we're discovering things about him and who he is and what he's like and, you know, we're getting a revelation of how much he loves us and how much he wants to embrace us and um, make us more like him. And it's, it's really great, it's great. But he wants to fill us. And to do that, he has to let the glory settle right in. And it needs to find all those places So, if you're in a place where you get to tell your story, you realize that His glory hasn't found all those places yet because there's still some empty spots, empty places. You know, those tiny little things where it's just going to leak in and it's just going to slowly fill. He wants what's in to fill and be healed. Filling a bucket. There's no gap, there's no space, there's no pinhole that won't eventually fill. But another great thing about his glory and who he is is that it doesn't just, it's not just, not um, it doesn't fill quickly. It doesn't just go whoop, whoop and you're there. He just takes the time. Mostly he takes the time that we need. But it fills slowly and sometimes... You'll come to a place in your life where there's just another little trickle into air and you go, oh, I didn't know that was there. All these little painful places, places that God wants to fill with his glory. Let's turn our Bibles to um, John. John chapter 21. See, at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus is doing some final stuff before he goes to be with his Father in glory. He's talking to Peter. Verse 20, sorry, verse 15. And we'll read through to verse 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you really love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said to the Lord, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I just want to zoom in on that little statement there that says, Lord, you know all things. I've thought about when I read this and I've thought about this scripture. I really think that that's a statement of surrender. Peter's saying, God, Jesus, you know all things and you know that I love you. So it's a it's a statement of surrender. Peter it's a helpless position because a lot of times in life and if you think about Peter's life you know he's the man that denied Jesus 3 times and he said that he wouldn't but he did and he was Peter was always the disciple that was going to make it happen you know he was the one that i believe when Peter was a lot of times he would be tempted, I don't know if he ever did because it doesn't say, but he'd be tempted to push Jesus out of the road and say, look out, i got this. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, work it out. I'll work it out. And he did, he did say when, um, you know, with the children, you know, what are they doing here? You know, he was, he was the disciple that was going to, he was going to make a difference in the world. He was going to make things happen. He was going to change. But, you know, he was feeling pretty low at that point because he, he denied Jesus three times, he felt gutted. You know, he wept, he felt gutted. He felt like he let, let his God down. So I think it's just a statement of surrender, saying, God, you know all things. And I think sometimes we're a little bit like Peter. We, we want to, God's not doing enough. He's not, it's not happening enough for us. We want to work things out. Or we just want to work our lives out. We're going to say, no, it's all right. I got this. I'll do it. It's okay. Well, we just want to do it our way. And we want God along to help us where we can. We want to do it our way. We want to do what we want to do. But Peter got to the place in his life where he said, Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. And if we read on in that scripture... After it, Jesus said, feed my sheep, in verse 18, it says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Isn't, isn't that a picture of someone who just thinks they've got it all to happen? When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. How do you go where you don't want to go? How do you do that? Well, you can't. We have to allow Jesus to take us where we do not want to go. Are there, things in, are there places in your life where you just don't want people to know about you? you? don't want to go there? Some little pain in your life where you just don't want to go? Or, or you know, I believe if God told me if he, if he revealed to me the plan that he has for my life, if he said, here it is from now until the day you die, I reckon I'd want to run and hide under the bed. I just couldn't, I couldn't cope with that because it's too overwhelming. But God knows all things. So Peter, in his former state, could not have coped with that life because I mean, he, he was just asked, do you know Jesus. And he said, no, I don't know him. i never met him in my life. You know, he denied the fact that actually knew him. But in the end, Peter was crucified. And he was probably beaten and stoned. He died a horrible death. And I think in that simple statement, God, you know all things. I think that was a changing moment in Peter's life. And sometimes I think when, like yesterday when I was, I, I don't know if you listen to yourself, but you, you're speaking, so you hear what you're saying. You know, and, and I, you know, I think, man, it's lucky that God's full of grace. It's just, I'm just so lucky. I'm lucky that he's full of grace. I'm lucky that he says to me, in all my rottenness, he says, why don't you just come and sit on my knee, I I'll, I'll love you a bit, I love you a lot. He knows all things. There is no way that Peter, if he was not full of God's glory, could he have lived and died the way that he did. There's no way. There's no way that he could have lived the life after Jesus, not only, like Jesus was present with them, after that he left. After that he left and he was no longer physically present with them. And yet Peter lived a life that was just so full full of the glory of God. Number three, allowing the glory to move you. Verse 36. Let's have a look at that in uh, that chapter in Exodus. Verse 36, it says, In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. So does it move you? Allowing the glory to move you. Does the infilling, so there's, there's two parts. He doesn't move you toward him and doesn't move you toward others. Moving, it, moving toward him, does the infilling move you toward him? When Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Do you think Peter said, yep, later? Just busy now, later? No. He moved toward Jesus. So when Jesus says he wants to engage with us in an intimate way, what should we do? We should run toward that man. When we're tempted to sin, what should we do? We should run. We should run toward him. We should run toward him. So many times I, you know, it's all right, I got it. And I find myself sinning and think, well, I don't really have it. That's because I don't know all things, but he does. He knows all things. He knows all things. So when we get and we feel like things we're not coping with life or things, or something is exposed or that water is trickled into a little place of hurt or pain what should we do with that? We should run. We should run to him because God you know all things. I, know, I don't know anything. I don't know how to fix myself anymore. I don't know what to do. We should run to him in desperation. What about toward others? Does the feeling move you toward others? If you, In John there, just go back to John chapter 17. does it move you toward others. There's two great prayers in John 17. One of them is that Jesus prays for his disciples and the other, which I'm going to read, he prays for all believers. It goes like this from verse 20 in John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me I just want to draw your attention to that verse 23. In them, in you and me, may they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you have sent me and love them as you have loved me. How's God's love get to the world? Through us, through me and you. And if we are, he wants to bring us to complete unity two ways he wants to bring us into complete unity with him so that's why he wants to fill us so all those little places where there's little hurts and pains can be brought to him so when we when that happens we get closer we get unified with him we become as one and he wants us to be in complete unity with one another I have trouble being in complete unity with my wife, let alone anybody else, sometimes. But He wants us to be. He wants us to be in complete unity. He leaves nothing out. God leaves nothing out. I have a driving school that's called Complete Driving. I said this in the first service. And it's called that because I offer a complete service, I don't leave anything out. Well, I try not to leave anything out. I'm not perfect, am I? I? don't leave anything out. But this week, I had a lesson with Lauren Gary. If I said to Lauren, Lauren, don't worry about what mum says. <laughs> Traffic lights mean nothing. Just do whatever you want. What would happen? Well, there'd be chaos. NC wouldn't be very happy with the driving instructor. There'd be Chaos. God leaves nothing out. Nothing. Our lives are chaotic because we try to work and out ourselves but, but he doesn't leave anything out. His story is absolutely complete. He's left nothing out. It already has a written ending and nothing's been left out. If you, if you knew the greatest story ever told and you already knew that it had a fantastic ending, the best ending... You get to live forever in a place that is unimaginable. What would you do? You'd want to hop on, wouldn't you? And the person who wrote that story and is the main character in that story says, hey, Colin, I want you to come and play a part. Like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, no, no. Isn't it? We're we're crazy, aren't we? We go, no, 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 no. Can I have some control in that part? Do you mind? Do you mind if it just goes like this? This is a better way. Come on. I know. That's why I wake up in the morning sometimes and think I'm just I'm just I'm insane. I'm crazy. I try to live my life the same way over and over again, doing the same things that I've done before, and it always turns out bad. It's a recipe for insanity. So really, I'm an insane person. It really is. Because there it is. There it is. Here it is. In here. The beginning and the end. It's clearly. It's clear. It's written. And we've, we've got an invite. Look at this chaos happening up here. We've got an invite to play a part. It's pretty exciting. But yet so many times we go, no, no. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Or I want to do it my way. But there's no room for the for the story to be altered. We hop in and play the part that we're given, which is the best part we'll ever be given, better than anything we could dream of. Or we or we don't. We don't hop in. And we miss out on the greatest story ever told. We miss out and being in there. I want to read you in finishing just a little thing from a devotional book that we have at home. I thought it was really great because today's the 19th, but we, we read the 19th yesterday, so I read the 18th today, which was really great for me this morning when I read it. And I thought, this is so great. The call of Christ seems hard. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But this hard call is actually the call of grace in calling you to your death. It's good, eh? So far? It's nice, eh? (laughs) God's calling us to die. Yes. Actually, that's right. The entry point into the greatest story ever told is death. It's exciting, isn't it? You die and you're in. Yes, I'm in. There is rich and satisfying life to be found. If you are God's child, your life has transcendent meaning and purpose. But these things will never be found as long as you are holding tightly to your life. Isaiah would say to each of us, Why are you working so hard for for what will never satisfy? Why are you investing so much in what can never fulfill? This amazing life of transcendent meaning, purpose and joy is to be found on the other side of death. It is only when you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow your Lord that you begin to experience the transcendent humanity for which you were created. Christ's call to you is a rescue in asking you to deny yourself and follow. He is giving you what you could never earn or never achieve on your own. Christ offers you what you cannot earn and what the physical creation cannot, can never offer the all-surpassing glory of knowing him. This is the world's best prize. This is the universe's best meal. This is the only thing that will give your life meaning and fill you with lasting joy. How good's that? God bless you.